0: Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we compare celebrity and Disney cruises to Alaska and tell you which one comes out on top. Find all episodes of this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com disneydeciphered Disney Deciphered where they receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Chung at travelmation.net. Got questions for us? Email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Instagram, disneydeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies.
1: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes.
0: And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So summer 2023 is over, but people are starting to plan summer 2024. And one thing that has been really popular amongst my clients over the past couple of years, but also for next year as well, is cruises to Alaska. And also, Leslie... And myself, we took cruises to Alaska in back-to-back years. Leslie, you in 2023, and myself in 2022. So we thought, because that is, you know, it's a bucket list destination for a lot of people, we thought it might be a good time to talk about cruising to Alaska. And Leslie, I know that you have been working on this article for months Due to heavy research, I'm sure, not due to the craziness of our lives, but you actually sailed on Celebrity at Alaska and I sailed on Disney. So we thought it would be a good time to compare Celebrity and Disney and talk about what you might need to think about if you're trying to pick a cruise to go to Alaska this year or in general. But we're going to use it through the lens of Alaska. Is that correct? How's that article come along?
1: I have a partial outline, Joe. I mean this yeah. it's now you it's have fun. an outline because you did the
0: outline for this episode. Good for job. this
1: episode. Well, and it's so funny too, because I was on this cruise this summer and, and you know, I'd sailed Disney Cruise line in the spring for a spring break trip out of San Diego. I was getting all of these DMs and I usually hate it when like people who are like influencers or bloggers are like, Yeah, you guys were asking me. But like honestly, you guys were asking me. Like I got so many DMs from people who were like Disney people who were really curious about cheating on Disney. So I guess there's a market there.
0: Yeah, let's get this out of the way. Uh, Where can people follow you since we're influencing right now? So we might as well get it (laughs) out of the way up top.
1: Fair enough. I am at trips with Tykes everywhere on social media. So I guess if you want to blow up my uh, DMs, you can hit me up there and then tripswithtykes.com. What about you, Joe?
0: You can find me at As Joe Flies. And after this episode, if you are thinking of booking a cruise to Alaska, you can email me, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. And I should also say that, ladies and gentlemen, she messaged me and was like, This is so weird. I'm actually getting a bunch of DMs about this. But it makes sense because, you know, not to bury the lead, Alaska cruise on the Disney Wonder is over twice as much, uh, depending on the category, but can be over twice as much cost-wise as sailing celebrity. And, you know, Alaska's gonna be the same regardless of what ship you're on. So that's why we wanna make this comparison today. And we've kind of danced around it and alluded to it, but we might as well say it here. I sailed on the Disney Wonder to Alaska in August, 2022. Leslie also sailed the Disney Wonder, but not to Alaska, a Mexico cruise out of San Diego in April, 2023. And then you sailed what celebrity ship to Alaska this July?
1: Yes, we were on the Celebrity Solstice.
0: There's also the Celebrity Edge. Actually, we'll get to it at the end of this episode. But the Celebrity Edge is sailing to Alaska. And that is Celebrity's newest ship or one of their newest ships. We should put out up front that we are not cruise people. I'm sure at some point when she is listening to this episode, if she listens to this episode, Christy from Pack Your Pixie Dust and the DCL podcast, which is a great Disney Cruise Line podcast that you should check out is gonna message me about something that we got wrong. Um, But we're, you know, we're more talking uh, not from a level of expertise, but from our experiences on the two different cruise lines to Alaska. You know, it's rare that Leslie and I take the same trip. But with different companies. So we thought this would be a great time to do this. So let's uh, kick things off, Leslie, and break things down. So let's just talk generally about the ships. Obviously, Celebrity has a ton more ships than Disney, but you know, what do we got fleet wise?
1: So you've got 15 ships that are sailing right now on Celebrity. Disney's got five, obviously, with the sixth coming soon. There are three real classes within the Celebrity ship types. There's the Millennium class, which is the older class. I actually sailed on one of those uh, ships many, many years ago before kids. Then there's the Solstice class, and then the new class is the Edge class. So, and then they have some specialty ships that sail to the Galapagos, but those are kind of, you know, neither here nor there. And then of course at Disney, you've got the Wonder. And the magic, which are sort of one ship type, the fantasy and the dream, another type, and then the wish, and eventually the treasure will join um, the wish and sort of being a different a different type. So I guess you've got three classes with Disney too, but they're maybe not as different as the classes are on Celebrity.
0: Now, because of the bigger fleet, obviously Celebrity gets to sail to a lot more destinations, especially international destinations. I mean, this year twenty twenty three is going to be the first year that. Disney sails to Australia. You know, the furthest they've gone so far is Europe. So Celebrity, you're going to have more itineraries, more dates, uh, more choice in general. But like we said, um, since Alaska is a bucket list item for a lot of people and most people end up cruising Alaska, we will uh, stick with that. Now, in terms of your fellow passengers on the two ships, I know that, you know, you only did the wonder and the solstice? But any impressions? Is it was it clear that uh, people weren't Disney fans on the celebrity ship, or you know how did that go?
1: Uh, there definitely were some Disney fans on that ship. I have to say, like the message I took away is, you're going to have a different. Group of people based upon when and where you are sailing. Like, I was really surprised that my Alaska sailing was, it was very middle America. Cause, like, I think celebrity has sort of this reputation of being like a luxury, not like a full luxury, but like a much, a definitely a higher end, like maybe more coastal, elite kind of style vibe. It was very middle America. I think that was in part because it was summertime. It was, the Alaska who who was drawn to Alaska, it was a lot more families than I was expecting because I was sort of expecting a lot a lot more adults, and it felt as family as family full as our Disney cruise did uh, during spring break. So I felt like the passengers were on the whole fairly similar between our two sailings, but I think a lot of it was driven by it being a school break. And who was off and the destinations that we were going to. I was actually surprised that our our San Diego sailing um, on Disney was, was a lot more Californians. I, I didn't see almost any Californians on our Alaska sailing, which was super weird to me, given how close Seattle <laughs> is to California. But that's who it was. But I think it'll be different. Like when I sailed Celebrity before, you know, many, many years ago, it was at an off time. And many more, I'd say... Older Gen X, younger boomer couples was sort of who it drew.
0: Yeah, and I think that really speaks to, you know, if we're talking about Alaska cruises, like I said, it's something that many families do. You know, I have multiple family friends who went sailing to Alaska this year. I will make a quick note that uh, I had friends sail on the Brilliance of the Seas, I think, one of Royal's older ships. And they were like, it felt pretty old. Even though the Wonder is older, and I know the Celebrity Solstice isn't like the newest ship, I do think that, you know, you're not... It was old enough that they had to say something about it, the ship. She said that, like, she even felt like part of her room was dusty and stuff like that, which is not necessarily something you're going to see on Celebrity or Disney. Um, Celebrity and Royal are owned by the same company, but Celebrity is, you know, kind of one class up. From Royal, in general, you know, obviously, you know the new Icon of the Seas is coming online and all that stuff. But you know, celebrity, you're looking for, you're paying a little bit more to go to Alaska, but not as much as Disney. Now, um, you did mention this in passing. We should point out that for celebrity, you're going to have more options. You can sail out of Seattle or Vancouver, and you can also sail. They have like one way sailings where you like. Go up all the way to Seward, and then, or you can start in Seward and come all the way back. Um, with Disney, you really, there's one or two different sailings, but for the most part, it's just seven night Vancouver to Vancouver sailings. And they're all Vancouver to Vancouver. There's also a five night and a nine night sailing thrown in there. So let's start breaking down the differences. Let's get to the cabins. You know, how did you feel like the solstice cabins compared to the wonder?
1: So I was pretty pleasantly surprised, but. I would say the Wonder Cabins, those are probably the best cabins for families anywhere on any cruise ship. I mean, that's the biggest cabin in terms of square footage is is my understanding, even on Disney itself. So, you know, I felt like, On Disney, I had plenty of space to unpack, lots and lots of storage. I mean, we unpacked our whole family of four into all the drawers that we had on the Wonder. And we had a little more of a challenge on the Celebrity Ship. They did have something that I really liked in the cabin we were in. They had over-the-bed storage. So these cabins all the way high up near the ceiling that were over the bed. So you could throw like bulky things in there that you didn't need to access every day. So that was nice for Alaska. But we ultimately did not have enough Storage for like unpacking a family of four, but we made it work. We, we did the the hook thing, the magnetic hook thing on the walls, so we used those a lot. That was a nice little hack that I picked up beforehand. But ultimately, the cabins were felt just as spacious. We did have a balcony on our Celebrity <laughs> sailing, so I think that was part of it. We had a little bit more freedom to to go out, but the inside the cabin, we didn't feel as cramped as I thought. But I will say, the bug beds for the kids, they had the same sort of setup that you have on the disney ship where you have that you come into the room you've got the bathroom then you hit the the main sleeping area for the parents and then you have a couch that turns into a bunk bed and then another bunk that drops from the ceiling those were tighter the upper bunk was fine but the lower bunk was not a full um, twin bed so you know i had a teenager sleeping on it she was okay but if you have you know an older teen uh taller teen it might not work out as well so that was something t- that we did notice but ultimately we fit into the cabin as a family of four the bathrooms are different so i guess we should talk about that why don't you tell people first about how the disney cruise line bathrooms are set up because that is pretty unique
0: yeah and quick disney don't before i get to the bathrooms don't forget all your magnetic hooks in your room when you leave the cruise i mean they're not that expensive but we came home we went with like six hooks and we came home with one uh, just because we had forgotten them all pretty rough but. The bathroom in Disney for the majority of rooms, um, there are a few rooms that aren't like this, but for the majority of the rooms, it's a split bathroom. So you have a shower and a sink in one bathroom that has its own door and then you have another bathroom with a toilet and a sink with a separate door so people can use you know two people can get ready at the same time with a sink someone can go to the bathroom while someone is in the shower and still both of them can have their privacy and so that is really helpful for families and celebrity I'm guessing does not have that since you're saying that we are comparing and contrasting here
1: yes a <laughs> great anticipation there too it Had a single bathroom, although I have been on several other cruise ships over the course of my life. This was the biggest single bathroom I've ever seen. And I do understand that the Solstice class ships have a bigger bathroom than some of the other class ships. So it was quite spacious. It was a shower. So there was no tub. That's something important for families who maybe have younger kids who need to consider. But it was a pretty spacious shower, lots of room to kind of move around, you really could stand two people in there comfortably in front of the mirror getting ready. And lots of storage in the bathroom, we actually had more storage than we needed for all of our toiletries for a family of four. But it was a little bit trickier. Like when someone was showering or using the restroom, like you didn't have that extra mirror space to get ready. We used the split bathroom quite a lot on our sailing out of San Diego with a teenage daughter. So she had all of her makeup in one place and, and then we just sort of let her keep it there and that's where she got ready. So we didn't have that as much. We had to do a little bit more shifting around as a family when we were getting ready, but ultimately It was great, Uh, especially for, you know, sailing with a 14-year-old and a nine-year-old. We all pretty much were able to, to get ready without stepping on each other too badly.
0: One last thing about the rooms before we move along. Disney is going to give you, if you have a family of five like myself, the option to book a single room with the five of you whereas Celebrity and pretty much the majority of other cruise lines, you are not gonna be able to book more than a family of four into a regular stateroom. You could possibly get a suite with a family of five, but that's not gonna be an option there. So that's something to think about, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But let's, for now, get to the kids' clubs. You know, Disney obviously has a reputation of being great for kids, especially the younger kids, um, but I'd love to hear your experience, especially since you had uh, tween slash teenager what are your impressions i know i remember she did really enjoy the teen club on disney but you know what were your impressions disney versus celebrity kids club wise
1: so first things first i will say because we were sailing on a summer itinerary to Alaska. This is very, very family full. So there were a lot more kids on the Celebrity Sailing than I think is standard. So it felt more like a Disney sailing in terms of the number of kids who wanted to access the clubs, the chances to make friends, the sort of number of family activities they were trying to trying to plan. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But so, so Celebrity does have the same sort of lineup of clubs. They have a club for younger kids. I think it starts at age three and they divide them actually by age groups is 3 to 12, but then they break it down within that so that kids are with their age. So it's a little bit less of a free-for-all than I would say the Oceaneer Club and Lab is for um, Disney Cruise Line, because there, like, 3-year-olds can be in with 12-year-olds. So, um, I mean, obviously they try to separate them a little bit, but it's not as formal. So that was something I noticed. But then for the Teen Club, they had a whole separate space, and it was just teens. It was 13 to 17, whereas Disney breaks it down edge and vibe. They have the sort of tweens and younger teens, and then the older teens in a separate club so i was really impressed with the facilities the teen club was actually better on the celebrity solstice than it was on the disney wonder bigger more things to do but i would say the staff was not as adept at handling the teens as they were on disney like american teens are an interesting (laughs) breed to try to handle and i think disney very smartly Um, most of the staff was american or brits and they just knew how to you know navigate the attitudes of american teenagers and i think they just didn't have that down on on celebrity as much they had a lot more staff who was international and there was a little bit more of a language barrier or just a cultural like mismatch um, in terms of handling the teenagers and i i I blame the teens let me just make this clear not the staff this is the teen the teen problem not the staff problem so my daughter did meet some friends and she did have a, a crew that she saw and was able to do activities with but it wasn't as much of a hit with her now interestingly My son had actually even more fun on the Celebrity Ship than he did on on Disney. And I don't know if that was because the smaller size, breaking it down, getting more personal attention. But he was begging to go on the Celebrity Ship, whereas he was kind of like, okay, he'll go for a little bit on the Disney Ship and check himself out. But I don't know if it was just that sailing or that moment in time for him, but I think for the kids, the Kids Club really did deliver for him. Even though the the facilities are not as impressive and the times are not as long, like you can't drop your kid off at any time. Like there are set windows that you have to drop your kid off in. Um, Doesn't open as late. If you wanna stay late night, you have to pay extra. So just something to keep in mind. I had low expectations for the Kids Club on Celebrity and they definitely over-delivered.
0: So bottom line, a little bit less flexibility, but overall, you know, the kids are happy either way, sounds like.
1: Yeah. For the most part, I'd say with an asterisk on the the teen club.
0: One last question about celebrity. Did you get an impression from your son? You know, I know that there are at the Disney kids clubs um, for kids that age, there are activities that the counselors run, but then there are also video games to play and drawing to do and arts and crafts, you know, what kind of stuff is it pretty much the same idea? in Celebrity but not Disney related? Or did you get an impression from him? I know it's painfully difficult to draw information out of kids these days. But, you know, did you get any information about like what activities were there that he really enjoyed?
1: Yeah, I actually did. And I was able to talk to the staff because it was a a smaller kids club. So I got to know the people pretty well because he was there so much. So I did get a good sense. They actually have themes every session. So you would actually be able to tell like, this is the pirate session. So if your kid's really into pirates, you make sure you sign up for that. And they would do an arts and crafts activity that had to do with pirates. And they did a treasure hunt one of the days. And then they, of course, had like the video game set up and they had plenty of downtime. But I think each session had like a set activity that they would do as a group and then maybe show off to other kids to kind of organize them. So in some ways, it was actually more structured and more organized than the Disney kids clubs were. And maybe he was responding to that because the direction helped him.
0: That's good to know. All right. So let's get To the thing that the majority of people think that they're going to be doing on cruises, and that is eating. So on Disney Cruise Line, you know, you're going to have a dining rotation. There are three main dining rooms. You rotate through those three main dining rooms over the course of your seven night Alaskan cruise, and your serving team stays with you. Maybe one night you go to the adult dining and you have your kids go to the kids club and you feed them separately. But for the most part, you know, you're going on that rotational dining. You can choose between either eating early, which is 5 45 or 6 PM, depending on the cruise or late, which is around 8 PM. And you watch your shows like during the opposite time block. So that's pretty much how Disney goes. And I know people are pretty familiar with that. Now with celebrity, what does it look like? Are there set times, rotational dining? How's that?
1: So you have different options on celebrity. You can choose the traditional early seating, late seating and the main dining room. And there is only one main dining room. So this is different than Disney. You don't have different restaurants that you're going to be dining at. If you're just sort of doing the included dining on the celebrity ship. So you can do that. um, Or you can do what I do, which did, which is select the anytime dining. And it's called technically celebrity select anytime, I believe. And The way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to be able, like some nights, you know, you want to dine early, some nights you want to dine late. You just go to the the concierge and you check in and and they seat you or the the maitre d' or whatever the name is of the person who seats you. And theoretically, that's how it works. Practically, that's not how it works. Um, We found out very quickly that the restaurants would be full and we would have to wait you know, sometimes upwards of like 45 minutes to get a seat. And what was really happening is they were essentially having three different seatings for those of us who had any time dining. So you could go at five 30 and get a seat, but if you missed that window, you wouldn't be able to get a seat again until like seven 15. And then if you, you know, after that, it got a little bit less, less busy, but if you wanted to dine at peak times, you had to go early. So it didn't really give us the flexibility that we wanted. And it was a little bit boring having the same restaurant over and over again. And and they tried to actually seat you in the same section with the same servers, which actually meant that you waited longer for a table. Whereas if they just gave you the first available when you arrived you know, in somebody else's section, you would have had a table sooner. So I didn't like that at all. Ultimately, we, we thought our serving team was only okay. Some nights they were really overwhelmed and slow and some nights they were super fast. And it was just kind of a little bit variable. And I will say though, the food was better on celebrity. Like, no question. Like much they much they have a bigger focus on the cuisine there and they delivered. And my kids actually thought on the on balance the food was better. At least my kid who eats something, my older one.
0: Yeah, I think one thing I like about Disney is that you do not have to stress about the experience and you know, I think not knowing just showing up and like knowing where your table is every time, especially on a seven night cruise, you know, you have the same table number every time it is a bit reassuring and just like one less thing to worry about. What about the like non main dining table service? I don't, I don't know what to call it, but like the non main dining rooms, like quick service food buffets, you know, how was that on celebrity?
1: I mean, I guess on balance better. So there are three specialty restaurants on the solstice that you can, Dine at like an upcharges is like Palo or Remy on Disney Cruise Line. And the upcharge is bigger, but there's more choice um, among those. And we ate at one of them, we ate, uh, Tuscan Grill, which was an Italian restaurant. And the food was exquisite. Now, Palo food was exquisite there, too. So I would call those like apples to apples in terms of the quality and the service are, that we got. Are,
0: are kids allowed in the specialty restaurants in Celebrity, or is it the same deal where...
1: Kids are, at least all the ones that we looked at, I'm trying to think if there were any that were adult only. There's also like specialty dining if you are in um, like the concierge class, there's like a separate restaurant that you have access to. So um, I'm not sure if those, are, or those include kids, if it's like a special room that's only adults. So... Have to have to double check that one if you're considering that, but but yeah, we didn't see any kids in Tuscan Grill. Like we saw like some maybe college age kids with parents, but we didn't see any kids the the age of ages of ours. I think everybody tends to drop them at the kids club and then go pay that upcharge. There there was one dining restaurant that we didn't try that was kind of like an animator's palette. Um, it had something that you like interacted with on a screen. And my understanding is a lot more families go to that one. And we ultimately just thought it wasn't a fit for us, the menu there and the cost. That was the biggest upcharge because it had like a super interactive techie kind of thing going on there. And then the other thing I should mention that I really liked about Celebrity is they have a really nice buffet and it was open for dinner and it was open late night and it had a ton of food. I really wished cabanas was open, um, at least on our sailing. I don't know if it's open on any, any ships right now, but I think not. That was key, especially for an Alaska itinerary where some of the ports you got in very late, like you were in port until quite late. And so we got back on board and there was still food to be had. We didn't miss our dinner seating, you know, or a dinner opportunity. We could go get a full meal at the buffet or if, you know, our daughter was out late, the teenagers could stroll through and grab late night ice cream or snacks.
0: Yes, Chrissy, calm down. We know Cabana's is not open at dinner. It used to be open. It wasn't a buffet, but it used to be a separate table service restaurant that you could dine at for an alternative option. Uh, but that has not come back to any of the Disney ships at all. Now, speaking of excursions, I have an impression that, like, Alaska's Alaska. Everyone's basically doing the same excursions if Disney books you on sled dogs or Celebrity books you on sled dogs it's the same sled dogs it just depends you know and then when i was on disney in alaska for example the skagway the white pass train disney had its own car but that was almost it was almost a disadvantage because all the disney cruise line people were in the same car whereas when i booked it separately by just buying a ticket at the station which was essentially the same price I think it was exactly the same price actually I could get into like any of three or four cars that I wanted to so I wasn't like trapped into one Disney car I mean it was it was nice just as I'm off on this tangent that the train like dropped you off right at the cruise I picked you up right at the cruise but actually I I was able to do that you know they they don't check your ticket to see whether you're on Disney cruise, just who else would want to get off dropped off by the Disney cruise. So my impression is that the excursions are the same. What's the sense that you got in terms of your celebrity incur excursions, not incursions, excuse me (laughs) in Alaska.
1: So, very true. The excursions is the same, and we quickly figured that out, and we booked all of ours independently. And the reason we did was because Celebrity has a significant markup over what these things cost. I mean, that was one thing I noticed. Disney doesn't seem to mark up the excursions too much. Occasionally they do. It depends on the, you know, the sailing and the itinerary. But, you know, if you want the, the certainty of being on the Disney excursion and not being late to your ship and not having the ship leave you, like there's not as much of a tax for doing that. And there's a significant tax on celebrity. Um, I mean, like 50% more. For some of these things, sometimes even more than that. There, there was a sale. This is something that I think folks should keep in mind. They had a big Memorial Day sale for excursions and other things. And if you booked your excursions then, then that did bring the price down a little bit uh, for some of them. But most of them still, the markup was too high for me. I'm glad we booked independently. We were using the same company. Yeah, we rode the White Pass Railway as well, and there were people from our ship and people from other ships right there. You know, all, all in the same. Same area, riding the same train. So I will say these tour companies that you're using, they know what ship is in town because these, you know, this is all of their visitors for the day. 99% of the people in town in Juneau or Skagway or whatever are on those ships and they know when the departure times are and barring some true act of God, they are not going to let you miss your ship.
0: For sure. For sure. Now, entertainment wise, what are we looking at, um, celebrity compared to Disney? On the Disney side, obviously you're going to have, and we can speak specifically to the Wonder, you're going to have the Frozen show, um, which is really great Broadway style production, and then two other Broadway style shows, plus, you know, either a juggler or illusionist or, you know, two other shows. And then sometimes they're going to show like a premiere of a movie. Like, so when I was on, I think it was Thor Love and Thunder that they were premiering, and so those are your options on Disney. Um, and I know you saw most of the same shows on The Wonder when you went in April because they don't change the shows for Alaska. How do you feel like celebrities entertainment compares?
1: So a little bit more of a mix. I would say The most of the entertainment is, they say family friendly, but not family focused. So there were a couple of Broadway style shows, but they were more reviews than necessarily like the narrative that you would get from Frozen. Like that one one of them, the first night was just a bunch of rock anthems. And, you know, the singers were really good. I actually thought the quality of the performers were very good on our ship. But ultimately it wasn't like a full scale Broadway show. It was just more of like some of those filler broadways that are, you know, more reviews And this. It was fun. We had a good time, but they weren't as interesting to kids. I mean, they were appropriate for kids, but we usually were putting our kids in the kids club and going to the shows together um, my husband and I one time my son went to to one of them there um you know the the mix of non musical performances there was a magician one night and you know a couple they actually had a lot of um, on our sailing and i don't know if this was true for yours joe they had a naturalist on board the ship who gave a lot of talks during the day i mean every day he had like a time on the calendar he was fan Fantastic. He was really funny. So I thought that was like an addition to the entertainment that maybe you wouldn't get on all, you know, cruise sailings because it was Alaska. People wanted to know about the wildlife and the flora and fauna and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was great. But the shows were definitely um, quality, but they had a little bit of that cruise ship, you know, cheesiness. But if you embrace that, you know, you have fun.
0: All right. Are we at, no, we are not at the key moment where we talk about how much more expensive Disney is yet, because we got to talk about two of the most important things in my life personally, and this is not even a joke, Wi-Fi and laundry. Uh, and we have separate notes section on Wi-Fi and laundry. So I will talk about the Disney Cruise Line side of things. The Disney Wonder Wi-Fi is complete trash, just do not even spend any money for it, uh, especially in Alaska. Like, I, I don't know. Actually, I'd be curious about other ships. Maybe the satellite coverage is worse in Alaska or whatever, but it was completely unusable. Like, the only way, you know, I had some, actually I had some like significant travel agent work that I had to do because there was like an emergency and I could only do it when we were in port uh, using like wi- not Wi Fi, you know, cell service from my phone. So, Disney Wonder, trash internet uh i cannot say anything worse about it it is just complete garbage uh, however disney wonder laundry and all disney cruise line laundry wonderful magnificent magnificent D- dried my clothes within one cycle um, got everything clean and you know very easy to pay attention like you know it's in your app when your laundry is going to be done very easy to buy detergent and stuff like that it all goes onto your room and so that was very easy we did laundry two or three times. I think maybe three times just because you know we had been in Vancouver before and stuff like that. So, that's Disney's Wi-Fi and laundry. What is celebrities' situation? I know one of them is really bad.
1: All right, so flip them. <laughs> Wi-Fi on balance on celebrity was pretty good. We definitely had times where the satellites were out, but it generally worked. It wasn't that fast, but it generally worked. And what I loved about it is you you could pay a single price and get service for the entirety of the, the cruise. So I mean, I think it was maybe I got it on the during that Memorial Day sale. I think it was a hundred and change per device. But ultimately we found out you could actually log in a different device into the same account, but it would just boot the original device off. So we were able to let my daughter kind of slurp a little bit of my Wi Fi package, but then I'd boot her right back off again when it was my turn. So, you know, expensive, very expensive but you just didn't have to worry about like how many megabytes you were using whereas on disney you're like having to remember to sign off and if you don't sign off which we forgot to do one time or it aired out on us it slurped all of our all of our data and we had to go to the concierge and get you know get it reloaded that was annoying and then it didn't work like you said we had it worked maybe a little bit better on our san diego sailing but it ultimately wasn't very functional it was quite functional on celebrity i mean again not for anything big like you couldn't stream shows or, or upload, you know, m- massive photos or videos very easily, but you could usually get through. So I guess two-ish thumbs up for cruise ship Wi-Fi on Celebrity. Now, laundry, totally other story, Joe. There is no laundry on Celebrity ships, no self-service I, laundry.
0: I just don't understand how that's possible. I, I just no. I just can't.
1: No, they. you can send your clothes out to the laundry We prepaid for one bag because, you know, you're in Alaska sailing for seven days, you're getting wet, you're getting muddy if you're hiking. For family of four it's a lot to pack for seven nights and that was a huge huge negative it was almost enough of a negative that it would keep me from sailing celebrity again on a longer cruise um, with a family but i think this was unique to the alaska sailing it would be easier if you were in a tropical destination and you know you're in bathing suits and sundresses and things like that so so some of this was just alaska specific but yeah no self-service laundry it's very very expensive we paid for one bag to go out, it was like forty bucks for one small bag. We were able to get quite a lot into it, though. I was, I was excellent at it. But then it took forty-eight hours to come back, which makes it useless because you're only in some of those Alaska ports. They're usually back to back to back to back. Like we delivered our clothes the first port day, and we didn't really have them back in time for the final port day in Alaska. Useless.
0: Look, there's not a lot going on in Ketchikan. Maybe you can find a self-serve laundry. <laughs> there to do. But yeah, that is truly. So let's get to the price. Um, What you paid all in. Plus, you know, my impression is that, or what people say is that you're going to get nickel and dime more. I do not think actually that is as true on Celebrity since it is the more luxury brand, like I think when you're on Royal, you do end up getting upcharged a lot more since your base fare is so much lower, but uh, what did you end up paying? And then I've looked up some prices for 2024 that we can compare, but let's talk about your experience first.
1: All right, so the base cost of our cruise was $58.70 for a family of four, seven-night cruise, and then we got $400 of onboard credit thanks to my fantastic travel agent, Joe Chung, and then we ended up spilling, spending another $769 in incidentals, and mostly that was gratuities. So all in, we paid sixty just over $6,600 of our own money to sail on this sailing. And I will say we aren't big drinkers. We didn't do specialty dining every night. We did do a little bit. And I did order all my Diet Cokes liberally because you do have to pay for Diet Cokes on Celebrity. I didn't get a drink package. And we had, you know, the things like the Wi-Fi um, were included in that onboard credit that we used. And of course, we didn't pay for any of our excursions through Celebrity. So so all in $6,600 for a seven-night cruise. So under $1,000 a night for a family of four in a balcony cabin.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. I think we spent around 11,000, but that is because we got last minute travel agent rate rooms, which are basically the same price as guaranteed with restrictions rooms, Um, a little bit cheaper than that. I will talk about the guaranteed with restriction cabin rooms at the very end, but let's take a look at prices for 2024. So uh, I was looking at like similar cruises. So the Celebrity Edge, like I said, in late July, goes on a seven night cruise uh, through the Inside Passage. And it is $5,140. As of right now, like the day that we're recording this, there's a sale um, for the second passenger to have a bunch of money off. The way these non-Disney cruise lines do things, though, is they run these sales all the time. So I don't expect the price to jump too much, even nine hours from now when we're done recording. But for a family of four, it was $5,140 for an ocean view cabin and then six thousand four hundred and eighty dollars and forty four cents for a veranda cabin so right around what you paid last year uh, or this year plus a little bit more disney on the other hand for a family of four is nine thousand nine hundred sixty four dollars so i did the math just a little bit under twice as much as celebrity and then for a veranda this is where Disney really does their markup, a whopping $14,480, which is over twice as much. That is 123% more than celebrities' price. Now, to be fair to Disney, quote unquote, celebrities' uh, deposits are non refundable, but you can make them refundable by paying a little bit extra. For the Ocean View cabin, it was $552, and for the Veranda cabin, is another extra $760. So you're still not even in the ballpark of what Disney is. Now, I was wondering whether for a family of five, since you have to get two cabins on Celebrity, whether it'll end up being cheaper. In July, it is still not even in the ballpark. Um, We should say that July is the most popular month, and I will, will, since this is a Disney podcast, share some non-July prices. I'm not, we're not saying they're gonna drop below five figures, but for two staterooms on Celebrity, for families of five, it's going to be about $7,700 for an ocean view um, plus $1,100. If you want to get refundable rooms or $9,700 for a veranda room. Okay. For Disney, for a one deluxe family ocean view with veranda room for a family of five in July, $20,000 for one stateroom wild and you can only get the veranda stateroom they do not have um ocean views or inside staterooms that fit five on disney that is crazy that drops to a reasonable quote unquote 14 or fifteen thousand in june and august when it's more shoulder season for alaska but like in july in the peak season it is crazy so that is a ton of money Uh, however i will point out that for families of four I'm not sure if it's going to happen again in 2024 but in 2023 i had clients sailing in august a big group actually and they did release guaranteed with restrictions cabins and what those are are you don't get to choose your cabin you pay you get like a 35 percent off or more and this is why i was saying it's kind of like the travel agent rate and it's completely non-refundable so you pay and you totally lose it but uh i had a client he went in an ocean view for fifty eight hundred dollars on disney with this one of these guaranteed with restrictions cabins for his family of four. And that's way closer to celebrity, especially once you st- start factoring in um, things like excursion markups and things like that. So if they release those again, and because the regular rates are refundable, if they release the guaranteed restrictions rates, you can switch into one of those when you're ready. I mean, I would say for the guaranteed with restrictions staterooms, it make things more palatable, Um, however you know, for the standard prices, it is pretty nuts. And, you know, I do love Disney. But if you you could think about it this way, like, if you sail celebrity to Alaska, and like we said, Alaska is Alaska, no matter what ship you're on, you could sail celebrity to Alaska and do, you know, Disney prices are crazy, but you could do a four or five night cruise for the other, you know, for the other half, right? If Disney Alaska prices double, you could do a four night Port Canaveral Disney cruise for half that money and then Celebrity Alaska for the other half and then you've got two cruises for the same amount of money. So, um it is pretty wild when you look at the prices and Disney's veranda markup is way more than any of the other cruise lines.
1: Yeah, and that's essentially what we did, Joe. I mean, that's why we did that San Diego cruise on Disney, we got that plus our Alaska sailing for basically less than we would have sailed uh, Disney And we to should Alaska. say that was a
0: spring that was California spring break.
1: Uh, yeah, it cruise. was Easter like, weekend.
0: In- yeah. So, so it wasn't like you were going at like a off time um either. So, you know, you got two cruises for the price of one Alaska Disney cruise essentially.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely worth it. And then, you know, I think too, on an Alaska cruise, you have to consider you're there for the ports. And our friend, uh, Summer Hull, Mommy Points was on a Disney Alaska cruise this summer. And I was talking to her about it. And she was struggling with her kids who wanted to do the Disney stuff. And she wanted to do the Alaska stuff. And so there was a little bit of a struggle there, like they were missing out on the fun Disney stuff if they wanted to, to do the port. So maybe you want to do a cruise to nowhere on Disney and save the Alaska sailing for a ship you don't care about as much.
0: Yeah. Although, I mean, six extra thousand dollars just so to do my own laundry, <laughs> one might say... That priceless. <laughs> yes, priceless. <laughs> so, but I think, I think that's why we wanted to do this episode, you know, like listening to you talk, I mean, I'm glad we did the Disney Alaska cruise and I mean, if, if you remember, and you were listening to us at the time, like everything was a mess, like our original cruise, you know, my mom got COVID before blah, blah, blah. So, you know, everything worked out well. And that that was also in the height of revenge travel as well. So it didn't feel as bad. But now it feels like going to Alaska specifically, I mean, your experience wasn't that much lower, if at all, to if you had sailed in Disney cruise line. And in fact, the edge is a way newer ship than the Disney wonder. And so, you know, these are things to think about. Obviously it's it's like a first world problem to be thinking about spending that much, but if you can spend that much on two cruises, you know, that's just something to consider.
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
0: All right, do you have a Alaska or cruise related Disney do or don't? Or I guess it could be a celebrity do or don't for us.
1: Sure. It's going to be a celebrity do or don't. So I mentioned this earlier, the drink package celebrity sells all these upsells, you know, some are non-alcoholic, some are alcoholic. You really should do the math beforehand on that. I mean, we did the math on the Wi-Fi package, but we did the math on the drink package. And I, I thought that my diet Coke addiction was going to mean that I needed the drink package and it was nowhere close. Like I was going to have to drink like six diet Cokes every day, including days that we were in port to like break even. So, so do the math and figure out what you're going to use. For a lot of people, I think they choose the drink package because of the convenience of sort of it being prepaid, like the Disney dining plan, and they don't get their money's worth. So I'm glad we paid a la carte. We saved a lot of money that way.
0: And then the other thing is with those drink packages, they do add prepaid gratuities, I think, for the bartenders and stuff like that. So that's just another thing to bear in mind. Six Diet Cokes, Leslie, that is the amount that the Surgeon General warning for (laughs) carcinogens for, you know, I think six is the number of Diet Cokes you have to drink per day when you get a higher risk for cancer.
1: Well, I'm Um, good. I'm good. I didn't drink that many. (laughs) Yeah, so...
0: So you to make the drink package worth it, diet coke wise, you're gonna subject yourself to a higher risk of cancer. So don't do it, (laughs) celebrity. Don't. All right. Well, that does it for our breakdown of Disney versus celebrity for Alaska cruises. You know, I really do want. Like, I I feel like I hope to take another Alaska cruise before the kids uh, move on. With their lives um, and become adults. Don't want to really talk about that. And another thing I will mention, which I would be remiss if I didn't, my wife also was talking about really being interested in exploring Alaska by land, which, you know, it's a bucket list item. Most people do it via cruise, but you can also do it by land. So that is something we're going to consider. And, you know, I feel like doing this episode and looking at the prices, it really does warrant considering taking another cruise line. Especially those one-way cruises, you know, go up to Seward on Celebrity or another cruise line and then make your way back down via land on the other way as much as you can. You know, th- those are cool ideas to ponder and play with. But if you're booking an Alaska cruise, again, you can hit me up, at TravelMation.net. I would be happy to help you out. But other than that, Leslie, you know, I really appreciate you making your outline for your article, which will come out at tripswithtykes.com sometime this year. We're saying it on, we're saying it here so that, you know, we're gonna make Leslie stick to it. But really do look forward to uh, that breakdown. Uh, thank you again for sharing your uh, experience. And thank you everyone for listening. And other than that, Leslie, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And I'll see you trying to find a three-for-one cruise deal for 2024.
1: Thanks, Joe.